Glory to Glory, the radio teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Join us now as Pastor Joe Pettig teaches from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4. Luke 4, verse 14. The title of our message this morning is The Right Response. I've mentioned these last few weeks that uh, we finally bought a home we moved away about six blocks away from where our, our house was, where we were renting. And, and it's, been, it's been kind of crazy moving back and forth. We, we had a large truck to get, you know, the big stuff. And then we thought, well, you know, we don't have too much small stuff. So we'll just, you know, we borrowed a, a, a small pickup truck and then we were using my vehicle. And I'll tell you, it seemed like we went back and forth six blocks about 500 times. I mean, I was wondering, when is this going to stop? And it was kind of uh, funny, at, right towards the end, you know, going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. You know, one of the new neighbors, he stopped me and I got out of my car and I was parked away from the house. And, you know, so I, he stopped me and he says, do you mind, you know, going a little slower in the neighborhood here? He says, we, you know, we walk our dogs and we're, there's children, there's young children here. And I, I, I looked at him, I was thinking, you know, I didn't think I was going fast at all. I mean, seriously, we were going back and forth, but I think it was the other guys, seriously. <laughs> But it was so interesting. The Lord just flooded my heart with peace and love. And I, and I looked at him. I said, you know, I am so sorry. I didn't even realize if I was speeding. I am so sorry. I apologize. And, and uh, I said, you know, we just moved from a few blocks over. And he goes, oh, you're our new neighbor. And I said, yeah. And, he, and we started talking. We talked for some time. And we hit it off real well. Then he tells me he's a board member. He's on the board there of the association, the homeowners association. Then he says, you know, the lady two doors over from you, she's on the board. The lady, the, the man across the street, he's on the board. I'm surrounded by board members. <laughs> and I was so thankful that I responded the way I did. You know? <laughs> And don't you know it, every time I pull out of my garage, I look at his house and I, I make sure I'm going extra slow. How do we respond? The important thing is, is how do we respond to Jesus Christ? How do we respond to his word as Christians? How do we respond to the message that we hear? Do we respond in the right way? Are we applying the word of God by faith? Are we believing that the word of God is alive? And are we trusting that God knows best, Father knows best? How do we respond to Jesus? How do we respond to his word? How do we respond to his ministry? Do we allow him to minister to us? Do we allow him to change us? Do we allow him to mold us? Do we allow his word to be alive? in our lives. In our story here, there are going to be those that respond in different ways to the ministry of Jesus Christ, and we're going to see that. But for us, folks, hopefully we respond in the right way. So let's take a look. Luke chapter 4, picking up in verse 14. Let me turn there. 
And it says, then Jesus returned in the power of the spirit to Galilee and news of him went out the surrounding region and he taught in their synagogues being glorified by all. So he came to Nazareth where he'd been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book and he gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him, on Jesus. As we've been looking at the gospel of Luke, we've we've looked at the birth of Jesus Christ as we're going to be talking more about that next week as we're looking at Christmas coming up, as we celebrate the birth of Jesus. But we looked at the virgin birth of Jesus Christ, how the angel Gabriel visited Mary and he told Mary she had found favor with God and how the Holy Spirit came upon her and the the power of the Most High overshadowed her and the, the, the child that was born was called the Son of God. So we looked at the birth of Jesus. We looked at the baptism of Jesus. Remember that Jesus went out to the Jordan River as John the Baptist was baptizing multitudes and Jesus went out and he was baptized. And remember when he came up out of the water, when they prayed, it said the heaven opened and a, a voice came from heaven. It says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. So the birth and the baptism of Jesus. And then as you recall, two weeks ago, we looked at the battle that Jesus faced after the baptism. Remember, he went out into the wilderness and he fasted for 40 days. Remember? And he was tempted by the devil. And each time he used the word of God, it is written, it is written, it is written. And obviously he was victorious over the devil and over the temptation to show us how we can do, you know, how we can battle when the devil comes against us. But here as we're seeing, now it's his ministry of Jesus. We're we're looking at him out there ministering to the people, the ministry of Jesus Christ. And in verse 15, if you look at it again, it says, you know, he was glorified by all when he was in the the area of Galilee, when he was in the northern part of Israel, at least initially, you know, they were praising him. That word glorified means to extol or to esteem highly, to magnify, to praise or to celebrate. So initially the people there in the northern area were, were glorifying him and they were saying, yes, they were celebrating Jesus. But then when he went to his hometown, as we're going to see, he's rejected. The the ministry of Jesus was, for the most part, totally rejected when he went to his hometown. We see it today so often. So many people, they they hear the gospel and they they welcome it and they receive it and they glorify the Lord. They celebrate and and their lives are changed. As many of us here, our our lives were changed because we accepted the ministry of Jesus Christ in our lives. And and we see a change taking place and we, we notice that God's conforming us into his image. Right? But then there's others that hear the same exact message. They hear the same exact words. They hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and they reject and they stay in their sin. They stay the way they are. They, they, they don't receive the ministry of Jesus Christ in their life. They, they reject. 
Jesus Christ. Where are you today? Are you daily receiving the ministry of Jesus Christ in your life? Or, or are you rejecting the ministry of Jesus Christ in your life? Or maybe one time in your life you, you received the ministry of Jesus. You, you started off so well. You started off loving the Lord. You started off in the word. But now you're just kind of drifting away. And you're like, oh, I don't know. I did that. You know, it's, you know, it was, it's okay. You know, I just, I just go to church now. That doesn't, God doesn't want you just to go to church now. God wants to be active in each one of our lives daily. And it's a daily walk as we accept the ministry of Jesus Christ in our lives daily, allowing him to, to work and to move and allowing him to challenge us. Are you allowing the Lord to challenge your life? Are you allowing him to challenge you in different areas of your life, in your workplace, in your family, and, and in your ministry? Is he challenging you? And you're accepting his ministry? Listen, God loves you. God loves you so much. He sent his son to go to the cross for you. He wants to be active in every one of our lives. I, I remember when a family member of mine was saved, you know, and then they would talk to me about Jesus. And I, I would say, you know, that's good for you. I remember when after I received Christ and I'm on fire for Jesus and I sat my secretary down and says, you know, sit down. I need to tell you something. And she sat at my desk. And I, this was very important to me. I sat her down and I sat behind my desk. I said, I want to let you know something. I said, uh, your boss is not the same boss anymore. And she looked at me like, you are crazy. <laughs> I says, well, let me explain. I said, I've received Christ Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I said, I'm changed. And she looked at me and she says, that's good for you. <laughs> I, I, you know, she was excited for me. She said, that's so good for you. That is so wonderful for you. And she, she made it very clear. Please don't put that on me. But the truth is, it's good for everybody. It wasn't long after that, she started going to church and she started proclaiming Jesus. God loves us. But God loves us so much, he doesn't want us to stay the same way. He, he wants to change us all. He, he loves us so much. But it's the receiving, responding to him and his word, responding as his word goes forth, responding to his Holy Spirit each and every day in our lives. So back in their story, Jesus, you know, don't lose the picture. Jesus returns to his hometown of Nazareth. He, he goes to the local synagogue. That'd be a, equivalent to going to his home church, you know. And, and think of this, you know, 30 years he, he was raised there in, in, in Nazareth. 30 years he spent, you know, his life there. And now he goes back after ministering for probably about a year at this point. He goes back. And he goes to the synagogue and he, he, he's there and he reads. And a, you know, just a, a side note, a synagogue wasn't really a, a biblical invention. It wasn't required in the Old Testament, but it was like a byproduct of, of the, the captivity of the nation of Israel. They were dispersed out and they were taken captive. So they set up uh, little meeting places called synagogues where they could meet and, and have the word read and they can you know, be taught the word of God. So here he is, he's in the synagogue. And again, don't lose the picture. He reads out of the book of Isaiah. Interesting, they just handed him, you know, that was the book that they were in, the Isaiah the prophet. Another side note too, they, they would read from the law in the synagogue and then they would read from the prophets. So the law was already read, now they're reading from the prophets. And so he reads from Isaiah. And after he reads, he hands the scroll to the, the, the attendant and he sits down and it says, all eyes are on him. 
And I don't know about you, but I would think, why are all eyes on him? He just read a passage. Why, why is everybody just, it says, they, they're all staring at him. They're all looking at him. All that, every play, everyone in the synagogue, you know, they're just looking at him. I believe it's because if you look at Isaiah 61, where he's reading out of, he's reading, we know it as Isaiah 61, verses 1 and 2, but he stops in the middle of verse 2. He stops right in the middle, mid-sentence, he stops. Fascinating. And I believe that's probably why they're looking at him, like, what is going on? How come you stop? How come you just stopped right there? And if you read, and you, as we just read, you know, how it says the Spirit of the Lord is upon him, and that he's going to set liberty of those captives, and he's, he's going to open up those that are in prison and, and, and that are bound, and he's going to do all these wonderful things. But check it out. I'm going to read to you how it goes on. And then it's, as we read, and it, it says to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. That's where he stopped. But right after that, it says, and the day of vengeance of our God. Why is that so fascinating? Because that's his second coming. He didn't come to to have vengeance from God. He didn't come to rule and to reign as king. It it stopped right there. His first coming talks all about his first coming. So he stops right there and he sits down and he says, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Fascinating. If he read the rest of it, if he would have completed the sentence, he wouldn't be able to say, today this is fulfilled in your hearing because he didn't come to conquer his king. He came as a suffering Messiah. He came to set captives free. He came to forgive sin. And don't lose the picture. This is Jesus that grew up in that town. He, they, most of them knew him, I'm sure, when he was little. They grew up. They, they watched him grow up. And basically he was saying, I'm here to fulfill. I've, I'm fulfilling that prophecy. That prophecy speaks of me. I'm your Messiah. That's heavy. But it's true. And they were shocked. Can you imagine? They were blown away. But what does it say about his ministry? Back in verse 18, it says he's there to preach the gospel to the poor. Those that are poor in spirit. That's what he was doing. He was anointed. It begins to say, he was. remember when he went down in the water, the Holy Spirit came upon him like a dove. He was anointed by the Holy Spirit. This is speaking exactly what he's doing. This is his ministry. Have you heard the gospel? Are you poor in spirit? Have you received the gospel of Jesus Christ? Well, that's what Jesus came to do, to tell you the gospel, the good news, that he can save you. What else did he come to do? To heal the brokenhearted. Are you brokenhearted here this morning? Is there anybody here that's brokenhearted? You know, you, only you can answer that. But, you know, is your heart hurting? Is it broken? Are you, are you hurting for some reason? Have you lost a loved one? Or is there something going on in your family that's just so tormenting in your heart and just breaking? Or something happening in your life that just breaks your heart? Well, Jesus Christ can heal that broken heart. That's part of his ministry. And he's still doing that today. Today, you call out to Jesus. He heals your broken heart. Proclaim liberty to the captives. Those that are in sin, those that are, you know, sin is so ugly. Don't you, you see people that are just held captive. They're just bound. It might be drugs or alcohol or sexual pornography and all these things. They're just so bound. But, but guess what? Jesus came to set the captive free. Have you been set free? Has God touched your life in such a way that he set you free from captivity of sin? Well, go to Jesus. Recovery of the sight of the blind. Yeah, we know Jesus healed those that were physically blind, but guess what? He's still healing those that are spiritually blind. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. 
I remember the day I accepted Christ and you know, God filled me with his Holy Spirit. I could see spiritually. Did that happen to you? It's like everything looked different. Even the people looked different. I, was just, I, don't, I had a radical change. I don't know about you, but my life was radically changed. Everything, just wow. Things looked different. I looked at the sky differently. It's like, wow, where did those beautiful clouds come from? Seriously. We're looking at the moon behind the clouds, you know, one of the, you know, right after being saved, we're like, did it always look that beautiful? Seriously. People in my workplace that I, you know, that I thought were my best friends and all of a sudden the Lord's opened my eyes and they, they really didn't, couldn't stand me or they didn't like me even a little bit. And like, my eyes were open spiritually. I was like, whoa, they're not on my side. But more importantly, my eyes were open to Jesus Christ and his word. And I could read his word and it made sense to me. As Jesus opened up your spiritual eyes, do you have eyes to see? To set at liberty those who are oppressed. That word oppressed can mean bruised or shattered or broken by calamity. Well, he wants to help you. He wants to set you free from oppression. He can do that. Guys, the ministry of Jesus Christ is still going today, right now. It hasn't stopped. He's still ministering in this way. And how did the people respond? So all bore witness to him and marveled at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, check this out. Don't lose this. Is this not Joseph's son? They bore witness. They were like, wow, this guy speaks like nobody else. Wow, this is, you know, we bear witness that this is real. But then they made, they, they came up with a reason. They looked for a reason not to believe and they rejected him. People do that today. They look for reasons not to believe, don't they? They said, you know, we watched him grow up. This is the carpenter's son. And they didn't believe. They were so familiar with Jesus. They didn't believe that they needed to respond by faith. I wonder if there's anyone here today like that. So familiar. You, you know, you believe historically. You believe Jesus Christ. You, you believe that, that he lived. You believe that, you know, he, historically he came. Especially around Christmas time, so many people believe, oh, baby Jesus, I love baby Jesus. They all believe, yeah, Jesus, I believe Jesus. But did you respond by faith? Have you responded by faith? Do you continue to respond by faith? Or maybe you grew up and, you know, hearing about Jesus all your life. Of course I believe, of course I don't. You know, when I was in the church, I, I believed that Jesus Christ died on the cross. I would see him on the cross all the time. I believed it, you know. I said, yeah, of course I believe that. But I didn't respond by faith. We need to respond. Some years ago, when I was teaching a Bible study at, at Beverly Manor, a, a nursing home, after one of the Bible studies, I went around the room like I would typically do. And it was so, I, I, I brought up this part before the, the activities director. She was a Christian and she would, before I would get there, she would go around this whole complex and she would wheel these, these patients in to, to hear the Bible study. She'd bring in these Muslims. She'd bring in the Jewish people. She'd bring in the Hindus. She would bring in all, she didn't care. She brought, she packed the room out with everybody she could. And, the, and sometimes they would fight her. I'd see sometimes they put their hands on the walls. I'm not going. They would like, they'd hold onto the wall and she's pushing. She said, no, you're going to love this. And they're like, no. <laughs> and 
And she'd wheel them in every, you know, I think it was every other week I'd go teach a Bible study. She'd pack out the house, you know, she'd bring all these people in there. So I would, you know, teach the Bible, the word, and I would give the gospel message every time and ask for responses. And then so I did it again. So now after I'm going around, I'm talking with everybody, you know, talking to the different ones and the new ones and all. And there was this man in a wheelchair, Vincent, I'll never forget him. And he had a stroke, he had a massive stroke and he could just sit there, he couldn't respond, he couldn't do anything, he couldn't talk, couldn't do anything, he just sat there and stared. And I said, Vincent, did you hear the message? He couldn't respond. I said, Vincent, I wanna know something. Do you wanna receive Christ as your Lord and Savior? And, and I was holding his hand and I said, Vincent, if you can, just squeeze my hand if you want to pray to receive Jesus Christ. I said, you don't have to say any words. God knows you can't talk right now, but he hears your heart. Vincent, squeeze my hand if you want to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And Vincent squeezed my hand. And I led him in a simple prayer to receive Jesus Christ as his personal Lord and Savior. And he kept squeezing my hand harder and harder and harder and harder and harder. And I said, amen. And when I said, amen, Vincent cried with a loud cry with tears streaming down his eyes. And the nurse ran into the room and she said, what happened? And I says, well, Vincent just received Christ. (laughs) She says, well, let me tell you something. Vincent has never responded at all in all the time I've known him. He's never cried. He's never had any emotions. And I says, well, he does now. And I would go and visit Vincent and I would read him the Bible and he would laugh. And I would read him the Bible and he would cry. It was very interesting because many of the times I would just talk with him and he would just sit there and, you know, just uh, laugh, cry a little. But when I read him the word of God is when the biggest response came. I even brought my wife to go see him. I was so excited for her to meet this man, Vincent. He responded by faith to Jesus Christ. Jesus in his hometown was rejected. They found a reason why not to believe. Let's read more. And he said to them, will you surely say this proverb to me? Jesus is speaking. Physician, heal yourself. Whatever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in your country. Jesus knows exactly what they're thinking. And they're saying in their hearts, they're saying, well, show us a sign, show us a miracle, which you've done in Capernaum, you know, do over here, you know, heal yourself and show us something miraculous. Then he said, Jesus said, surely I say to you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you truly, many widows were in Israel in the day of Elijah when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, and there was a great famine throughout all the land, but none of them was Elijah sent except to Zarephath in the region of Sidon to a woman who was a widow. Many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elijah, the prophet, and none of them was cleansed except Naaman, the Syrian. Jesus reminds them of these two wonderful stories, how two Gentiles, a widow, And that captain of the Syrian army, Naaman, responded by faith to the Lord. And they were both blessed. Basically, he's telling them the message. And interesting, too, I want to point out, Elijah and Elijah were both rejected in their own land during this time. 
just like Jesus is being rejected. And he's saying that these guys ministered to Gentiles because the Jews, for the most part, rejected. And he's reminding them of that story, saying, these prophets were rejected, just like you're rejecting me. But why don't you respond by faith like that widow responded? And she lived. And like the Syrian captain of the army responded, and he was healed. So check it out. Verse 28. So all of those in the synagogue... When they heard these things were filled with wrath and rose up and thrusted him out of the city and they led him to the brow of the hill on which their city was built that they might throw him down over the cliff. Then passing through the midst of them, he went his way. the throne of mercy It's the sound of our singing praise It's the sound of our Listening to Glory to Glory with Pastor Joe Pettick, an outreach of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. If you would like to enter into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, call now at 714-788-8221. That's 714-788-8221. We'd like to extend an invitation to visit us here at Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Our address is 16450 Pacific Coast Highway in Huntington Beach, California, 92649. We're located in Peter's Landing Marina in Huntington Harbor. Our service times are Tuesday evenings at 7 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. Now, may we continue to go to His throne of mercy as He changes us from glory to glory. It's become the throne of mercy. It's the sound of our singing praise. It's the sound of our 